this week's episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Buzz and Spence sit down with our friend Dustin, or as you may know him, at normal.sinus.rhythm. Dustin's a local collector from Red Bar Cincy, and this is the second in our collector's conversation series. We get into how Dustin got into watches, the watches, the watch his parents bought him when he finished medical school, as well as how his tastes have changed and his interest in independent brands. This is definitely an interview that won't put you to sleep as we go through Dustin's, a portion of Dustin's collection that has some pretty, pretty serious pieces in it. We think you guys will really enjoy this one. So enjoy episode 27. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 27 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. This is going to be another collector conversation with uh, another buddy of ours from Red Bar Cincinnati, Dustin. Uh, Dustin, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. I've been uh, uh, ready and waiting for a while, so I'm glad we could finally get our schedules to align. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I, I don't think this interview is going to put anybody to sleep um, because I, you got a lot of interesting stuff that, uh, that we can talk about. Um, but first, as, as everybody knows, we always start out with a, a, dris- a drink check and a wrist check. I kind of combine those together. Dustin, since you're our guest, what have you got on the wrist and what are you, uh, what are you drinking? All right. So uh, I have a, um, well, we'll start with the watch, I guess, always the watch. Uh, I have a um, Debatoon uh, DB27, which is a uh, independent brand, which I've been getting very into lately. Um, love this watch. It's it's a black dial titanium case, has some uh, lugs that kind of articulate and wrap around your wrist. And um, yeah, it's just a really good piece. It's automatic, 144 hour power reserve, six day power reserve. So that's nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and it's light as a feather. It's just fantastic. So I've been super happy with it. That's so gorgeous. that's, that's the, and it's, you know, I can't at work. I need something that usually has some, a little bit of water resistance to it. So I, uh, um, sometimes I'll put things on when I come home from work. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. so I have that. And then I'm drinking a, uh, a Japanese whiskey actually. So I know in our general area here, we're very bourbon centric and I am too, but I branch out and this is a Habiki, uh, 17 year, uh, Japanese whiskey, which is, um, if you've never had Habiki, Seventeen uh, is pretty hard to find at this point, but uh, even the regular Japanese Harmony is just really well balanced. And like most Japanese things, they've taken something that exists and kind of perfected it over time, and kind of made it uh, well, really perfect from a manufacturing standpoint. So whiskey included. Nice. All right, Buzzy, what do you got? Awesome. Before I get into my uh, spiel, just have to to say. Okay. Most people think that the leading edge, one of the cool things right now is like a fully articulated bracelet. So you're coming at us with articulating lugs. That's, that's yeah. the next <laughs> level. That's the, the next frontier. You know? It is. This is, I mean, it's, it's a 43 millimeter watch that people think, oh no, that's too big. That's too big for my wrist. And it is not, I promise you put it on and it's comfortable. Nice. Nice. Well, since since our friend Dustin is really into independent watchmaking, I had to figure out the right watch for this episode. I searched high and low through my closet to find this piece. I think I have featured it once on the podcast. All right. Today I'm wearing my Orient Mako. They are huge, relatively speaking, to most independent (laughs) brands. 
they were independent when they were incorporated in 1950, but <laughs> they did get bought up by Seiko in 09. Um, they build all their movements in house in Japan, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I think that uh, counts for something. Uh, I've had this Mako. I bought it used, honestly, probably, probably in 09 or 010. It doesn't always get the wrist time uh, that it should, which is the the downside of having several watches. But it it's a it's a very cool cool piece. I. I like it. And that was the closest independent-ish thing that I had. So that's what I'm wearing. I like it. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I try to theme my, my stuff uh, based on the episode. Um, but you know what I'm not theming is my drink. I am back to my beloved Kirkland Signature Canadian Whiskey. <laughs> so it may, may be kind of a joke to some people. I, I I think it's a serious drink. I actually I think it's a don't I think it's a don't knock it till you try it though. Exactly. Probably, right? Exactly. I actually have a, a side project going on. Uh, I, I d- decided to start uh, scoring and ranking drinks ever since Spencer insinuated <laughs> that the beverage tasting institute was not to be trusted, that there were some sort of in-house shills for the Costco Corporation. So I started my own project. It's Buzz Buzz's Beverage Swilling Score. Okay. Okay. Yeah. BBBS. Buzz's or BBSS. <laughs> yeah, the BS score. Uh, yeah. You don't have to fully acronym it. I'm pleased to announce that Kirkland Canadian Whiskey actually gets a 92 in my book. It's pretty exciting. It's extra exciting considering we don't know. What the upper limits and lower limits of the scoring is. Right. And the Uh, fact that the Malbec, again, I wasn't knocking the quality, just the fact that the Malbec, (laughs) which again, very good Malbec that my wife had, also had the same score. So I'm not saying that the whiskey is, I've never had it. I'm not saying that it's bad. I just find it very interesting that they have the same score. You're you're attacking these paragons of (laughs) virtue at Kirkland Signature. (laughs) They're going to provoke your membership and you'll never get. 10 gallons of olive oil ever again at once. I know. <laughs> I did buy my TV there too. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Which nice. is why, is that why we got the membership? That might've been why we got the membership. I don't know if that's why we got the membership. They, have a, huge spike right bef- they have a huge spike right before the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I used to, and a fun fact, I used to work at Sam's Club and uh, I, uh, in high school and the first, when it first opened and um, at least in our area and there was a huge rush on TVs right before the Super Bowl. And because of these places like very liberal return policy, all of these TVs came back. They just, they just people bought an 80 inch TV or several, however, not that that wasn't the biggest, that was too big for the time. Uh, but they'd buy the biggest TV in the store, full of bells and whistles, and then return it like literally Monday after the Super Bowl. <laughs> It was it was infuriating. So, but I worked in the pharmacy, so I didn't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, mine's still up above the fireplace. I don't know how I got it up there. I don't know how I'm going to get it down. But I, it's not something that I really worry about by any means at this point. You you, um, you shouldn't. I've seen that install. It's a good install. It uh, similarly <laughs> makes makes me scratch my head too. Uh, so yeah, there are good, good there part. are. Th- 
three sets of holes back there because I was off on my calculations the first two times. <laughs> anyway. Why there's TV, TV to cover it. Oh, yeah. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> the TV's big enough. Like, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> All right. So next uh, next up on Whiskey and Television's uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast is Spence. Right. So I have a bit of a reveal tonight, as everybody who pays attention on Instagram knows. Um, I am drinking this, my Centauri Toki whiskey, another Japanese whiskey, as I recently purchased another Seiko to add to the collection. Um, I really like the Toki. It's like a scotch, but better in my opinion. Like I like scotches, but it's like, it's like the scotch without the really peaty, burny aftertaste. I mean, like your points about Japanese whiskey, Dustin, are like spot on. Like this is what it should taste like without all the after effects. And it's, I'm shocked at how quickly I've drank this bottle. Um, It's, it's pretty impressive, but I, uh, I did make a purchase recently and my, my two co-hosts actually Spangler's not with us tonight. So he's going to have to wait a little bit longer to figure out what this is. Um, But I had been debating for a while uh, between two watches. um, One of which was the new blue 62 Moss re-edition. The, the one that comes with a bracelet and a strap, not the one that just came on a strap with the high beat movement. That was, that was not in the budget for the year. Um, and then uh, for a while, I've been looking at the SRQ 029, which is the 50th anniversary edition prospects chronograph, uh, the Panda dial that has the two offset. Um, so I'd been thinking about both of those and uh, our friends down at Richter and Phillips hooked me up with the blue 62 Moss re-edition. That was what I settled on. Um, uh, absolutely uh, love this on the strap. Uh, the bracelet's great too. Uh, Dustin, I know you've got the gray version. This is just, they just absolutely nailed this. Um, it's, I'm over the moon with it. I did. I actually messaged. That's a, that's a fantastic watch. So I've been wearing the gray one a lot and I, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is a really, really good watch. And here's a hot take. I think it's, I think the blue version of that and this gray version of this, depending on your flavor, uh, at, at their respective price proposition blows the black Bay 58 out of the water. Uh, I say the my blue. joke, my joke when I post, this is going to be black Bay 58 Navy who <laughs> that's right. It's I'm uh... telling you they're, they're finished. Well, they have a nice movement in it. It's not like, it's not a groundbreaking movement or anything, but it's nice. And um, you know, they can, they, it's a Seiko dive watch. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah. So. It's I, they absolutely. And it's not 43 millimeters. Like, <laughs> No, but I will say I own a Marine Master and I've owned a lot of bigger Seikos before. I have a seven and a quarter inch wrist. Um, so not small, but not huge. I'm right in the middle. And um, one thing Seiko really does is they curve their lugs in a particular mm-hmm. manner. And they also are usually a little bit shorter. Yes. And yep. so really to me, I don't ever look at the diameter of the watch as like the end all be all of if it's going to fit my wrist. But I look at like the the lug to lug width Mm -hmm. because I feel like that really gives a lot more information as to whether it's going to look nice when it sits on your wrist. The only real time I have a problem with, with size is when lugs hang over, you know, the, the outer boundaries of my wrist. Oh, for sure. Uh, And that's it. But everything else is fair game. So, yeah, no, I mean, I have a samurai. I, the finishing on this is phenomenal compared to that, but the samurai is, I think a 43 or 44, but it wears surprisingly well given given the size because because like you said the 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 lug shape the lug to lug is very very reasonable very wearable so they they do a really good job with their larger dive watches um, but I mean this thing this thing wears like a dream I mean 
I don't want to say this wears better than I was wearing my Hulk all morning and all day, like, cause I hadn't worn it in like a week and a half and I just wanted to wear it. And our other buddy just got one. So I was like, ah, I feel like I want to wear that. Um, I don't want to say this wears better than it, but it might wear better than it. like it, it just, it fits so well. It's such a, comfortable, it can, it can. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's, it's not illegal for that to happen. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, this is going to be on my wrist probably the rest of the week. If I'm honest, um, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, like I said, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I like the blue. I love the gold accents. Uh, buzz knows why uh, buzz gets that. Um, oh yeah. But uh, it just, it's, it's a fantastic watch. I'm a huge fan. They, they knocked it out of the park. The, I, the Willard is the, the new little Willard, uh, little Willard, the Willard reedition, the Beluga, whatever we're calling it. That one's great too. Like they're, they're t- the two new dive watches they came out with like in quit in short order, like right after each other. I think, and I, we've talked about it before. I think they've, they nailed it with both of them. They crushed it. Totally yeah. crushed it. The price point's yeah. great. I mean, I know everyone's like, oh man, it would be great if they were under a thousand. I was like, nah, the extra 200 bucks no. doesn't even matter. Just they're, they're fantastic. Well, that's just that they do it right. Like don't, don't squeeze it to, to fit a price point because at the end of the day, you're not going to remember the extra couple of hundred bucks, but you will yeah. remember if they cheaped out somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's a, that's a very good point. I can tell you, like, even though I've, my collection's changed a lot, I always will go back to Seiko and always have Seikos in the collection. That's it's the mainstay. It's always been, like, for forever. And the thing I love about them is, you know, watches can be a pretty intimidating hobby because it does get eye-bleedingly expensive at times. So, But the thing I like about Seiko is they really provide a very quality product, a good product, at every respective price point that you can be proud of, whether you have, you know, a hundred bucks to spend and you want a mechanic, your first mechanical watch or a quartz watch, or you have $400,000 to spend and you want a completely handmade crate or minute repeater. And they both play like the, like in their respective categories. And I think that that is, I think that's actually a really tricky uh, trick to pull off. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, yeah, the the sheer range of prices that that they cover credibly, uh, considering their their premium, right? Their their Grand Seiko, and you know, it's not like Toyota or Lexus. It literally has, uh, you know, the the Seiko name in it. It'd be like if uh, Lexus was called like Grand Toyota, right? <laughs> uh, there, there's nowhere, there's nowhere uh, to hide, right? People buy them not because they're hoodwinked by uh, some sort of marketing. They buy them because they're badass, right? Yeah, they, no, they're but- a compelling, you know, compelling product. It's true, but I believe the counterpoint to that is that Grand Seiko's Achilles heel, which I think they're doing a very good job of writing in the United States, is that Seiko historically, at least in my lifetime, has been known as like a good quality watch but something you could get at like Macy's in the mall or just like a regular type watch. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is if someone who's not a complete watch nut, remember we're like an absolute anomaly in the world of people. Oh yeah. <laughs> like anybody who has, you know, several thousand dollars to spend is going to want something that has a different brand equity, right. at least initially. So that's something they have to overcome. And I think they've started to really make it, make headway with that. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, without a doubt. No, that's, no, it's, that's an awesome pickup, Spence. Yeah. I'm, I am very yeah, congrats. Thank very you. I am, I am absolutely, absolutely shocked at how like 
I went into the store to see it and like, I knew that it was going to be between this and the other one. And, and realistically, part of my thinking was um, they may have let it slip that in the last probably two to three months, I don't know, Dustin, whenever the last time was you were there and looked at the chronograph, I'm the only one who's ever actually really shown any real interest in the chronograph, which makes me think that if I want to get it later, um, like I might be It'll able to still, still, <laughs> still be there. So like, this one would not have been. Um, I have it on good. I have it on good conscience or on uh, you know, good word too that uh, the one you picked up is is pretty sought after and and yeah. kind of hard to come by from other other people who sell uh, Seiko. And yeah. So I think I think it was the it was a wise decision to get. I'm it pretty stoked. I'm pretty stoked. And the way I, to be honest, the thing that I don't say it impressed me the most because I didn't put it on until I got home. The, the rubber strap has like little metal, like it's rubber and they're loose in there, but it has little metal um, gaskets that go inside that actually touch the spring bar. So it is like, it is completely like free moving, like the strap and it's, but because there's metal in there, you have to, you have to worry about like the rubber, like breaking or like, it's, it's like, they just, it's the little things. And, and the fact that this one yeah. only, I think. The regular version was at twelve hundred. This one was at thirteen fifty, and for thirteen fifty, you get a limited edition with a really high quality rubber strap, which aftermarket would probably cost you a couple of hundred bucks or a hundred bucks. Like, just it, 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 it wasn't like an, a ridiculous premium for the limited edition version, which I appreciate. Like, it was, it was nice. Um, so yeah, this is going to get a lot of wrist time for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, what's well, so. funny? I've been wearing mine so much that uh that you know i have a, I have a pool in my backyard and which has been a savior because my kids always want to go do things and there's not a whole lot to do these days but right <laughs> so we'll go back we'll go down there and go swim and i and i literally jumped i like just jumped in the water fortunately it was like the shallow end and i didn't realize it i didn't have the seiko wand <laughs> i had i had my Gronfeld principia on <laughs> and like and literally and i'm this is a crazy story but i literally realized it this is a 30 meter non-screwed on crown, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, which we can talk about this watch later, but literally mid air, I like realize this and like <laughs> throw my hand up in the air. Yes, exactly. And, and like landed and fortunately it was fine. And then like, I had to get back out of the pool and put it down and I wrapped it in my towel. And it was just like, I felt like a complete idiot, but it would have been a, a colossal mistake. Had oh yeah. Not, <laughs> it's pretty, I got really lucky, so you, I bought a, I bought our lottery like ticket that night. Got that fairly recently too. Like we'll get into that in a little bit, but like you've you only had that for it's been about a month, right? It's it's pretty new. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty new to me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I just I, nobody can see. I was laughing really hard, but I had my left arm raised as like, both of you. At the same yeah, time. <laughs> we were both doing it's it. Like, it's an audio. It's an audio medium, but like the three of us can see each other. Like me and Buzz only- both have our arms. <laughs> It's because it's the only logical thing that you could do. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. realize it, is yeah. put it up in the air. I mean, so. I like that you did realize it midair before you could not jump in, but that was your only choice. It's a testament to my vertical. <laughs> so, <laughs> time. So. Anyway, so um, as everybody can tell, we've got some pretty interesting stuff to talk about, but I think as we always kind of start with, with all of our guests, um, Dustin, we'd like to kind of know what sent you down this rabbit hole? What got you into watches way back when, um, you know, just kind of tell us your origin story with watches and what got you into collecting. And then we'll get to how you got really into the independence here. I'm sure. 
pretty soon, but uh, sure. Let's start. So, yeah. So like, this is kind of a, I can give you a two part answer. I can kind of give you what keeps me in it now. And then also what, uh, what got me into it in the first place. Sure. So I've always kind of, I, I can't remember a time when like, I didn't notice watches. Like I always noticed them to the point where I, when I was really young, like five or six, I had like a juicy fruit watch, like the gum <laughs> yep. that my grandmother gave me. And I wore it. Like I like legitimately wore it. I liked it. And um, so that was my first watch. But um, since then I, I've always kind of liked them. I've always kind of been into, into fashion and clothing. I had a GQ subscription a little early in life, probably sixth <laughs> or seventh grade type thing. So little precocious but um and uh the the watches that probably i got a i got a tussaud uh when i right around the time i graduated from high school uh so that was kind of the first real real nice watch that i got mm -hmm. um and uh i wore that proudly and love it i still have it and then um but the watch that i think really started me down uh the the rabbit hole was a, was an Omega Seamaster Chrono, um, like the James Bond era yep. that I really wanted. And, um, my parents were, you know, nice enough to, to basically buy kind of in a surprise way for me, uh, which they had no business doing it was still like so nice of a gesture, but, um, they, they bought this watch for me, um, when I graduated medical school. So that was like the first like super, super nice watch that, that I had. And I still, it's it's the watch to this day that if everything was gone in a fire, that's the one I'd grab. And it's the one I would sell for no amount of money. So um, so I have a sentimental connection to Omega because of that. And um, again, that was at the kind of the beginning of medical school. And then I've always kind of bought, um, you know, fun watches and saved my extra money to buy watches and um, you guys know me at this point pretty well, and you know I, I go through quite a few watches. I'll buy them and I'll sell them and stuff. And it's, you know, Lord knows I would. No one could call me a dealer because I would never. I would never. I don't make any money. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to make money. It's literally for the, um, for the purpose of experiencing more watches. Like that's why I do it because it's part. You know, part of the passion. And um, so I, you know, I gotten into omegas because of that and then um more recently here uh what's kind of kept me into watches has been uh the the, per the personal connection so while i appreciate them for being pieces of art and um you know for being really neat and cool and and can be you know some nice thing to wear when you're like dressed up or whatnot um, really to me, just like any collection or any sort of hobby, it really has become a vehicle for personal connection. And some of the best people I've met in the last 10 years of my life, I've met kind of through or around watches, uh, which has been, uh, you know, kind of a blessing, which has been really nice. That's great. It's, it's a, it's a common response. We get that, that last, that last portion of it, whether it's from, a micro brand owner or, you know, a, a collector or just, you know, a fellow watch lover. It's, you get into it because you have a share, you're, you're interested in watches, you're interested in horology, you know, you have a passion for the little mechanical things we stick on our wrists, but the people you meet along the way are really kind of what makes it even more fun. Like it, it otherwise it'd just be, you know, kind of, you know, studying all the intricacies of the mechanical pieces that we're wearing on our wrists. Oh, man. Like, yeah. 
yeah, I can't get out now because like <laughs> my friends are into watches. Like yeah. that's the, a lot of people yeah. I know are into watches. So like, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck, but, um, but it's a good place to be stuck. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's still, I still find a lot of, a lot of fun in it and it's a perfect, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've always liked uh, art and, um, I'm not particularly artistically inclined, but I've always liked art. Um, I am pretty science inclined and I'm, you know, I'm a doctor, but I, I think watches are one of these things that really the perfect intersection of like, of like science, technology, and like the humanities and art. So there aren't many things that, that really do that in that way. Um, and watches do. Um, the other thing that I always tell people when they just say, why would you do this? This is insane is, um, increasingly in our society, I feel like we have a, a consumptive society, uh, with, with things that are meant to be like kind of used and then thrown away. And, um, there aren't many material goods anymore that are meant at production to last a lifetime and potentially multiple lifetimes and, and watches certainly fit into that category. So I just appreciate the, you know, the care that goes into creating something that is meant to outlive, outlive its owner. Oh, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, I mean, for every pair of Allen Edmonds out there, there's probably 2000 pairs of disposable shoes, right? And that's, that's every single aspect of, of the things that we buy. And I buy disposable things too. And there are certain things I, I buy disposable because it's, it's more convenient and easier. So I'm not, I'm not above that by any stretch. I was like, but it's something that I appreciate about watches for sure. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. The per, and I will say the personal connection um, to kind of collectors and everything. It's also that that same sort of vehicle is kind of what has driven me toward independent watchmaking as like the part of the hobby, which at least currently as is like consuming my brain. Um, and it's because, and it's because you get so close to the, to the process. I mean, you get so close, like when you, when you buy one of these watches, you, you have conversations with the watchmakers or when, or with the CEO of the company. And, you know, it's just, that is not replaceable. I, I promise you if I bought a Patek Philippe tomorrow, one, I can't get one, the ones that I want. And two, if I could get it, I guarantee I'm not getting a personal message from uh, Thierry Stern saying, welcome to the family. Uh, <laughs> like I did when I bought a Moser, I can tell yeah. you that much. Ed Malon literally messaged me. and was like, welcome to the Moser family. And that, that is, that kind of like um, camaraderie uh, coming from the brand itself and from the CEOs is just shows a lot of respect for the customers and, um, and it's somebody you want to support. Oh, definitely. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about, about what was, so, I, I mean, I know you've kind of gone through a couple, you said recently that uh, a, a good chunk of your collections turned over in the last probably 18 months. Um, but what, what, what started you down the path with independence? I know, I know Moser was one of them. I know there's a couple other names we'll get to here in a second. So what, how did you kind of stump? I don't want to say stumble upon them by any means, because obviously if you're, if you're into watches and into urology, you know who these brands are, like what, what, what got you to finally decide, okay, I'm, this is my next one. When you bought the first independent. Right. So it's like a, it was a little bit of like a been there, done that. I mean, I went through the normal 
motions that most watch collectors do. The, the normal you know. collecting arc. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I have the, I, I'm still, I've, I'm on the collecting arc of like with Rolex. I I'm in, I'm firmly in the camp of, I greatly, greatly appreciate and respect Rolex. Um, you know, I own a couple, but I don't own a lot of them. You know what I mean? Because they're great watches, like, and nobody can take that away from them. So, but you know, over time, I'm, I, I was very early to the Grand Seiko game. I was buying them in Japan before they came to the U.S. and having them, you know, brought over here. So, um, so I was big into Grand Seiko well before. Uh, and then, um, you know, I've owned most of the Omegas that I like to own or care to own within within reason, barring, you know, vintage watches that are hard to get or that are in made in minuscule quantities. Um, and then. Um, just over time, I just wanted to experience more interesting things. I guess to, to me, the, the, I wanted to see what it, what it was all about. Like, um, and I also don't like looking like everybody else. That's, that's maybe one of the main drivers is that, you know, everybody, anybody with $10,000, you know, from a bonus check, um, used to be, used to do it. They'd be able to, and do, they would go into a store and buy a Submariner. Mm-hmm. And then everybody you know has the same black Submariner. Nothing, nothing to take away from a Submariner. It's like the art, you know, the archetype of a of a dive watch, and it's a fantastic, near perfect product. But, um, but I didn't want a Submariner. You know what I mean? I wanted a Sarpaneva that I could take in the pool because I want something that is totally off the wall. Um, my friends at the hospital they say like, you know. Like, why do you only buy ugly watches now? I'm like, well, they're not <laughs> ugly. I was like, I take personal offense to that, you know, but, but they are different. I can tell you that they're much. definitely different. I wouldn't call any of them ugly. No, no actually the, the, my Sarpaneva that I have, um, that I bought recently, um, it's a, it's the K zero seasons collection. It's technically the winter, but, um, but it's, uh, you know, it has this really like, uh, etched sort of cut out dial mm-hmm. uh, with a solid block of luminova underneath it and this corona shaped case that is all hand done um and the, the thing is just beautiful it's amazing looking and that has gotten more fanfare from more people who are not watch fans than almost anything else i have they just look at it and they're like, man that is a good looking watch so you know, and there are 20 of them there's 20 of that blue one. So that's crazy. You no, know, they're not many. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, uh, another story kind of related this day Batoon that I'm wearing right now, you know, I got the, I got it and looked at it and I was, you know, I've, I've, that's, that's probably my favorite independent brand. If I had to, you know, come to my head, although I'm still experiencing some that I haven't, uh, that I haven't yet to experience yet, but of the ones that I've seen and touched, I really like David Batoon and they make a hundred to 150 total watches a year. So I get mine and it's a particular serial number. And then I find out uh, that over the eight, eight year run that this watch was made, or maybe not eight years, four year run that this watch was made. Uh, they only made 27 of them. <laughs> so there's only 27 in the world of this watch anywhere, you know, which is to me, super cool. You know, like the likelihood of me running into myself with something like that is essentially zero. Yeah. It's, that's incredible. It's also almost uh, disheartening considering uh, 
there there are other things that are far uglier that uh, there are tons of out there. You know, I mean, well, um, you know, d- money or you know doesn't buy taste. <laughs> and just because you have, t- and just because you have taste, doesn't mean you can, you know, buy what you want because yeah. there's limited quantities of things. And and that, I mean, listen, my my gr- like Grail watch for the longest time, and a watch that I've always loved, um, and actually something that my my dad, who uh, was never a watch collector, but he always said a Patek Philippe is like that's the watch you want someday, like that's the watch to get. And I've I've liked the Nautilus for forever to the point where I'd go in, you know, I went in an undergrad uh, to the store and I'd look at them and they were in the case and I'd learn medical school and they were in the case and you could potentially even get a discount. It's kind of amazing. And then, (laughs) then residency comes along all of these times I have no money. So there's no chance of me ever getting this watch, but I'd still look at it. Like, what can I sell? Can I sell organs? Can I sell whatever? And <laughs> like, like I know I can live on one kidney now. I just learned this last week. So let's, <laughs> let's do this. You know? So um, anyway, and we, um, I'd look and look and now maybe I could, could swing it and, you know, move some things around and maybe, maybe make it happen. I can't get one, so, you know, so now, and that's frustrating. That's super frustrating. You know, not an independent mainstream watch, part of the hype machine. Uh, I still love it. So, yeah. oh yeah. Well, I got my uh, uh, instead. I got a Vacheron uh, overseas. Yes. Uh, which I will say, if you look at them objectively from what you get, the the quality of the of the of the movement and uh, of the construction and everything, uh, it's Geneva seal case, Geneva seal movement. Um, and the blue dial on that is just absolutely killer. Um, I was fortunate enough to pick uh, pick that up from Cellini this year in New York, and um, that uh, that watch is it's really kind of taken some of the wind out of the sail from my need for uh, the Patek because it's it's good. It's a really good watch. So it is a stunner. Uh, that is. Uh... Well, until that day Batune came along, that that was my favorite piece of your collection, as it were. You know, if we were playing uh, watch fantasy, uh, not fantasy football, draft, fantasy <laughs> draft, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait for round two for that. I'd, I'd pick your VC uh, uh, overseas. Well, you know, the funny thing is with the VC is I, um, I told when I was thinking about buying it, I was like, listen. I missed out on the Patek. Never, I'm never getting that. I was like, I thought about a Royal Oak, and even though they're great, I just didn't want one of those. I was like, I actually really like this Vacheron, and I'll be damned if this happens to me a third time <laughs> where I can't where I can't get something. I'm gonna make it happen before it goes away. And you know, you know, truth be told, I, it seems to be that they're a little more scarce than they had been uh, even when I got it, which was within the year, but about a year ago. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fantastic piece, and I will say they absolutely nailed it at oh, what was it Watches and Wonders the show that the yeah. Alma, the 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 full gold perpetual calendar with a blue dial. It's, it's insane. Just, that's a gorgeous watch. I mean, there are other perpetual yeah. calendars, there are other full gold watches, but I mean, just the that whole package is unbelievable. It's just a gorgeous watch. It's an unbelievable. It's incredible. <laughs> it's a, and it's really, I mean, it's you know, they're 
they went through a period where I think that they had a, a little bit of a rough time from a marketing perspective and, you know, to the point where people like weren't even considering them in like the Holy Trinity of makers, um, which I don't put much emphasis on that anyway, but, um, but, you know, I, I think they, they've stepped up their game the last couple of years and, and, uh, and they're, you can't you just can't argue with their with the product they're putting out. No. Uh, the other thing I really like about this overseas is that it has, um, it has this quick change lug like strap system. Yeah. So and they give you a deployment buckle, a rubber strap, and uh, an alligator leather strap. So you get all three looks with the watch. I mean that could be everything. Like that's you just get that one and done, you're out, and that's no fun. But it's a. Uh, but it's a really compelling package when you look at it. Oh, definitely. I mean, we actually, I actually, I remember during watches and wonders, I think I probably talked about this on the podcast we did on it, but I made my wife watch the Vacheron video because it was just so well done. And some of the stuff they put out was absolutely crazy. I mean, the, their super complication that they put out or, or, or whatever it was, it's like that thing looked initially like a baseball. And then you read, it's got, well, I don't remember how many complications it had in it. And, on the screen, it looked like it was round like a baseball almost, but then you're like, oh, that's 17 millimeters thick. And you're like, okay, I've got a watch upstairs that's about 16. This is a millimeter bigger, and it has like 50 things going on. That's just – it's just unbelievable. Although I think my favorite sure. reaction she had, though, was the uh, the um, the aviary one, the, the one with the four different birds. And she was like, so this all – all this stuff is amazing and beautiful, but she's like – but the birds one, like, I don't know that I get that. Like, <laughs> Well, that, and that's, I think that's the intersection of, you know, there's a, I think there's a pendulum that swings yeah. between use usefulness and like, and like complications for, uh, you know, for use. And then there's, and then there's on the other side of that pendulum is uh, the artistic endeavors oh, and yeah. complications for the sake of being able to do it in a Rube Goldberg way or, um, you know, a good example of that is the, is the tourbillon mm-hmm. on a wristwatch. Like, uh, I think I was listening to one of the, another radio podcast that might've been, might've been the conversation that, uh, that Hodinkee had with, um, Philippe Dufour. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I he said, that and before. he said, tourbillons are stupid. And I'll never forget. He said like, tourbillons are stupid on the wrist because you are the tourbillon. Mm-hmm for a wristwatch, which makes sense. I mean, like from a physics perspective, that makes absolute sense, but man, it's cool to look down at your wrist oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and see that tourbillon spinning because it's just a mechanical marvel, you know, and that's the art, that's the art piece. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's both, both the technical and the art to, together as one. It, um, yeah, the VC had such a, a funny release, right. With the, uh, at watches and wonders because you've got uh, some watches that you know appeal to like well-heeled audubon society members and yeah you know, and these you've got another watch that uh, if you're you really like the anacotheria mechanism but you just wanted it small and on your wrist uh, you just pick up one of those well and, and and it wasn't that rachel was really not she goes i get that the the the, the way they do that dial is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful she goes but birds, like that's just like of all the things to pick. Like she goes, I get it. I guess the songbird. She goes, I get it. She goes, and they're beautiful. Logo, she goes, but it's just funny. I guess that I guess there's a market for people who have that kind of money and want 
a beautifully like a beautifully painted bird on a on a wrist like it just they're 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 gorgeous pieces but i just it was just kind of funny it's like all these amazing technical things and then birds (laughs) somewhere deep in the hills of switzerland there is a yeah Independently wealthy ornithologist who is who has finally reached Nirvana. It's funny that we're having this conversation without Spangler, who uh, who couldn't make it tonight because uh, he's got a theory about birds. Yes, he does. <laughs> about how real they are or are not. Oh, they're not real. They're not yeah. real. Birds aren't real. <laughs> That's like when people tell me the coronavirus isn't real, and I'm like, okay, it's time to have a you know. Uh, Take your little buddy to work day. Yeah. Like, 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 like you want to, you know, like you want to come suit up with me sometimes, yeah. you know, and, and that being said, you know, I'm, I don't mean to make light of it because it's, it's a bad, you know, it's a bad problem, but, um, and we've, we in, in, you know, Southwestern Ohio have been extraordinarily lucky, uh, made, you know, done a lot of good things up front, which helped a lot. And we've been extraordinarily lucky, um, but you know, when you see it firsthand, uh, when it affects someone, it's it's bad news. So, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 been an interesting environment just to be in. You know, I think I've I've written about it in a couple of articles that we put on the website too. But it's like I haven't I, I never thought that there would be an environment where I would have not been in the office for four months, still working, still mm-hmm. doing everything I've been I, I need to be able to do, but that we would have geared up in the matter of about a week. Because I was, act- I'm actually on the, the subcommittee at work that was talking about um, what we were going to do. Because um, you know we we weren't an we weren't a company at the time that was really into the whole remote work thing. Just in the industry that we were in and, and, and the size that we were, it just didn't really make sense. Um, so I, I don't want to say that we weren't surprised. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I don't say we weren't prepared because we you know within a week and a half we sent 95 percent of everybody home, and we've been like that ever since. And we didn't miss a beat. We did it with, you know, record demand for, for what we do, which is pretty impressive. But like, I, I can remember sitting at the first subcommittee meeting that I was included on for this. And like, we were talking about it and I, I was the one, I mean, I did crack the joke, but I was like, I'm looking it around and we're, there's 15 of us in a conference room. And granted, this is still end of February. So I hadn't really gotten to Ohio yet at that point. And I'm just like, I, I'm like, guys, shouldn't this have been a conference call? Like, like, like really, like if, if this is what we're concerned, like there's 15 of us in a room, this should have been a conference call. <laughs> uh, knowing what we know now, it's, it's, it's funny, not funny, but it was one of those things where you're just like, okay. And, and, and since the end of March, it has been a conference call because <laughs> none of us have been in the mm-hmm. office, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really crazy environment. Um, and I mean, I'm curious you- to see how things are going to change you know, forever. Oh with, yeah. With office, with office. St- I, mean, I don't work in an office. I work in a hot, I'm an anesthesiologist. I didn't I know if I mentioned that. Um, so I work in an academic medical center and, um, you know, we teach residents and everything, but you know, that's not really a job that lends itself well to remote work. No. You really can't do that. And, and trust me, big, you know, biotech companies have tried to make machines that will just deliver anesthesia and, and they go, they do okay. But the problem is, is okay. Only works until it doesn't and then someone dies and that's (laughs) not good. So, you know, so, um, so this is, it's all very foreign to me, but uh, oddly enough, I've, um, seen a lot of people, uh, who are working, who are stuck at home and I, I feel for the people with young kids because it's, 
it's impossible. It's just impossible to like maintain the same productivity level if you're if you happen to be uh, responsible for caring for those kids simultaneously with working at home. Yeah, it it's I will say, and I'll let Buzz talk here in a little bit about this. It's been a little bit of a challenge with the two little ones. The good thing is, one of them has only recently become extremely mobile because um, he's not quite one. The other one, um, I, I just I. I really feel for the parents who like, not only, it's not just like I'm providing, my wife and I are providing care. We're, you know, we're keeping them safe. We're trying to give them activities to do, trying to do all the things that you would get at like a a daycare or a preschool. But at the end of the day, like I don't have a five-year-old who I'm trying to teach to read and like, thank God for that. Cause like, 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 or, or a nine-year-old or a seven-year-old who's in first or third grade or whatever. And you're like, I have to right. try to get you to do schoolwork because you like they, there's stuff you need to learn. Like you're learning addition or multiplication or division right now. Like these are things you need to know. Like my three year old, he loves watching the nature documentaries that are on Disney Plus. Like he knows more about the uh, Delhi penguin right now because he loves Steve the penguin on the Disney. And to be honest, I've watched it. It's it's a phenomenally done documentary. The other thing that's cool too is they do a documentary for the parents on how they made the documentary for the kids, which is, we've oh also God. watched. Um, and it's also really Inception. well done. Yeah. It's, it's pretty yes. cool. But like, I, it, it's, it's absolutely nuts that like, I would have never thought that I would have four months plus because we're not like, there's no, like there's talks of going back, but we all joke. It's like, we put a date out there to show that yes, we're still making plans, but like there's a good chance that if trends don't reverse, that date's not happening. Like it's going to keep getting pushed and it's a phased approach. Like everybody's everybody in an office environment who is lucky enough to be able to work remotely and eventually return back to the office is going through this stuff. And I mean, Google just put it out today. They're not going back till 2021 and or like this time in a year. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of the tech I've, I've through actually through watches, I've become friends with a lot of people who work in the tech industry and oh, we um, need to talk about yeah, that. All of the, <laughs> yeah, we, we can, but all, all of those, uh, all of those, uh, companies are really um they're very conservative about it and and probably rightfully so because they have you know they have the infrastructure to make it happen uh with people at home um but i'll tell you like as a piggyback and you know if you want to we want to talk about watches the um the fact of the matter is like this has been stressful for everybody and i have 100 percent, and i think a lot of other people too have used like watches the watch community and like um, kind of looking at collection as a, as an escape, as like a personal escape oh, yeah. uh, from the stress of work and from the stress of life and from the stress of incredible boredom of not being able to go do anything uh, or not do a lot of things. Right. So, um, you know, it's been really a really kind of really nice thing to have. Oh. Exactly. I mean, no, nobody will ever accuse a virtual red bar meetup of being as good as uh, one in the flesh, but <laughs> Um, you know, that, that's not what we're comparing it to, right. We're, uh, comparing it to doing Jack yet nothing, uh, you know, on the night. So to be able to, uh, you know, log in and see some friendly faces and, and shoot the breeze about watches is infinitely preferable. Yeah. It's really cool for sure. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's been a, not, not by no means a blessing, but it's, it's interesting that we started this podcast a month before it all kind of hit here in the U S and I mean, honestly, 
I feel like one that's probably helped our, our listenership. And two, we've been able to talk with a lot more people than I would have thought we would have been able to just because everybody's looking for that escape and everybody's really not doing much like because you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing much you should be social distancing and being safe and doing all the right things and it's pretty safe to sit in your basement and do essentially the equivalent of a skype call and talk to like-minded watch nerds about watches for an hour (laughs) absolutely yeah that's right it's a safe thing to do maybe not for your bank account but you know no No. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyway so you although i mean i keep yeah. Oh, you go ahead. No, you 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 had you had a comment. Go ahead. I was gonna say I keep a separate like I have a, like we that's one of the family rules is like the watch collection is separate from like the money that buys the food and insurance and <laughs> and funds and funds the retirement. So like it's totally separate. So again, I'll buy and sell watches really so that I can experience new watches because there's only a finite amount of money and you can't own everything. Yeah. At least you can't own everything simultaneously. Right. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you mentioned all the, some of the tech people you've been able to meet. Um, why don't we talk a bit about that little organization that you're, you're a part of out that originated out in California. Um, and then uh, talk about some of the pieces that they've done. I know you've got one in the collection right now. So, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. It's, um, so uh, it's called it's called uh, Collective, uh, and it's a uh, invitation only watch club uh, that was started by uh, uh, two gentlemen uh, by the name of Asher Rapkin and Gabe Riley. So they are they've been friends since childhood, and are both into watches, and uh, they live out on the West Coast. And uh, the long story short, I mean, you're wondering like, well, what is this random dude from Cincinnati, Ohio? How did he get in there? You know what I mean? <laughs> With all the, you know, which I ask myself that all the time. Uh, but uh, I've, I've been a customer and have become friends with uh, Rob Kaplan, who is the the owner of Topper Jewelers, one of the owners of Topper Jewelers uh, out in Burlingame, California. So we've had a long relationship and uh, we were all mutual friends, turns out. So when this thing was kind of coming to fruition and they were looking for different people, he's like, uh, he, I guess he thought enough of me to, <laughs> to, to let me in, let me in the game. And it's been fun. Met a lot of really cool people. Um, and uh, yeah, the, so one of the premises is that they do uh, watches that are uh, exclusive to the group of people. And this is not a hundred percent unique. There are other groups that, that do this. Um, and that commission watches and stuff. So the um, the first one was a, uh, a Zenith El Primero. It's a 38 millimeter uh, Chronomaster El Primero. Uh, no date, so it doesn't have a date, unlike most El Primeros. And they did it in a in a brushed case, completely like brushed case, uh, with a white dial and very light gray uh, details around the around the silvery white dial. And that uh, it looks as if if Apple was going to make a Zenith <laughs> uh, or a Zenith El Primero, it would be like it's it was very reductive in its like design aesthetic, um, but it's truly a less is more piece, and it's it's fantastic. I love it, and it made me really excited for uh, for what's to come. But uh, like I said, I don't know. Like you know, I I don't know what I don't know what it's going to be. I just uh, no, I can't wait. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun little group, and it's not um, 
like I said, it's not unique and I would hope, hopefully other people do that. Uh, but it did get a little bit of notoriety. I think they were on the Hodinky podcast mm-hmm. and uh, they've been written about a few times and um, uh, to, to their credit, they put out a really good product and, um, and put out some good uh, experiences. So it's not only watches, it's experiences and potential events Obviously, that's been curtailed a little bit recently, but but um, I think that's the general intention. And um, again, it's another group that uses watches as a vehicle to form personal connection. So um, that's why I'm into it. Yeah, and I think I think COVID cost some of us in Cincinnati our opportunity. I, I remember the last Red Bar that you were at. We were like, okay, we knew it was coming because we had seen the release that, that that's what they did. It was you know it was all over Hodinkee and all the other places. I was going to bring it. Yeah, you're going to bring it, and then we uh, you, uh, I think I think baby number two may have happened, and then COVID happened. <laughs> two two formidable things. Very yeah, so. uh, yep, <laughs> very very formidable. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's it's still here. It's not leave. It's not going to leave the collection. Oh yeah. Um, and so I'll eventually we'll as get soon as, we, yeah. as soon as we're allowed to <laughs> to you know go out and ride bikes again, then we'll then I'll uh, I'll bring it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely. No, it. it there's there's there have been several new additions to the the Red Bar Cincy family uh, in the last several months that all of us are I think really excited to see. Uh, just we 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 can't other than on a screen, which just kind of at this point is what it is. Um, why don't we talk a little bit more about your uh, your most recent edition, the the Principia, the Grunfeld? Yeah. Okay. Well, technically, the most recent edition is um, is the SPB one four. Well, yeah, and then I know you also yeah. have the Zodiac, the watermelon Zodiac that you just got recently yes. too. That probably came after the Principia. That that was so much Straight fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. So I, um, my buddy uh, in Chicago actually sent me a like a picture of his hand with a bunch of Zodiacs. I was like, what do you, I was like, you put, you carry Zodiac, right? And he showed them to me. And I was like, what's the deal with that crazy looking one with the colors? <laughs> and he was like, and he, and he was like, that's the watermelon. He's like, that's great. That's the one I have too. <laughs> and I was like, not in the market for it or whatever. And he's like, you want it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> simultaneously like shaking my head. No. And, but yes, came out of my mouth. <laughs> and uh, and then I got it, and and I'm very glad I did because it, it's like it it is like summer distilled into watch form, like it's super lightweight. It has a lightweight slinky um, uh, jubilee style bracelet, um, f- great size, forty millimeter size, and and um, just the the turquoise and kind of peachy uh, colorway. Everything is just super fun. So yeah, so I really like that one. But the Gronfeld, we'll go back to the Gronfeld. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that one is, uh, you know, that was kind of a effectively a grail watch for me. I've I saw it in in Chicago at at Seidel and Seidel, which is a which is a wonderful store, um, a little away from where the main shopping is. If you're ever in Chicago, it's actually more in the financial district over by the the Sears Tower. I'm still calling it the Sears Tower forever. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, and. Um, so uh, I saw it there. I tried on a bunch of stuff and actually bought um, the Grunfeld was just too expensive and didn't think that it was going to be anytime, anytime soon. Um, I ended up picking up a Moser from him and uh, from Seidel and love Moser Pioneer, uh, which is a fantastic watch. You, I know you yeah. guys saw the, uh, I think Michael, you had the Pioneer tour 
yep. version. I did. It, well, bit, and so. I obviously brought it up to Buzzy's house for a little bit so he could hang out with yeah. it. It's they're phenomenal. Like to me, if you want a really nice one watch collection, it can go dress, it can go casual with like it. It could be your very expensive one watch collection. It's a phenomenal piece, an absolutely phenomenal piece. And the dials are so hard to photograph, but so beautiful in person. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's also, um, again, you know, Moser makes, they make, they're on the higher end of production for independence in, in like what is what I refer to as independence uh, in about, at about, I think, 1200 or so watches a year, 12 to 1500. That's still not very many, no. com, you know, comparatively. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, I was lucky enough to come across the Grunfeld uh, and had to make some difficult decisions, which I won't divulge exactly what had to happen. But um, wa- some watches left, quite a few left, and uh, left the collection and the and the Grunfeld uh, was acquired. And that watch is, um, it's insane. It's to put it mildly, uh, the finishing is near perfect. Um, it's a great wearable size. It's 39 and a half by about 10 millimeters, uh, thick. Yep. So, um, and you know, the bridges on it are made of stainless steel. So the Grunfeld brothers do it in, in stainless steel, um, which is rare. Uh, it's very hard metal to work with in general for movements. Um, and, I uh, let me see if I have it here. I can show you guys. You you won't be able to. See, they won't be able to no, see. No, they won't. Uh, <laughs> people listening, but you will be able to see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a. Um, it's a. It's it's just a it's just a really nice uh, watch that can be dressed up, dressed down, and again, the personal connection to the to the Grunfeld brothers. I really respect what they're doing. Uh, they're at the top of the game, and uh, and they make under 50 watches a year so that's unbelievable 30 to 30 to 40 in general so i think the principia total is up is about i think they're in the maybe upwards around 50 total watches made so um it's it's a wonderful piece and lucky to have it and i don't see that going anywhere anytime soon either so the 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 few pictures we've seen of it on i mean not few i mean you've posted a few of them but like the pictures we've seen, it, it looks, I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievable piece. It just, the, the, the dial, the, the, I don't even know how to describe the color of the dial. Like it, it's just, well, it's, it's salmon. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, I mean, it is, but like it, the texture, it's just, it's, it's salmon, a, but there's like gold fleck in yeah, it. So it, like, like it gives it, it, it's more iridescent. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a little more iridescent. And then uh, the cool thing about them is they make different dials. So like if you wanted a Principia, you can like configure one with a rhodium dial or a mint dial or a turquoise dial. Um, <laughs> and then, and either a gold or a stainless case. And that's about it. But then you, then you pay them the money and then you wait a long time and then eventually your watch comes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a, just, just so you guys can see it. Uh, just, there it is. But that's just yeah. gorgeous. And then the back, like I said, the stainless steel bridges and everything. So, is... um, y'all are missing out by not being on this video call. <laughs> yeah. And ironic, ironically, I'm not the I'm not the only person with a Grunfeld Principia um, in the Cincinnati area. I know, which I think which is, is crazy. preposterous. But, yeah, but maybe we'll get know, them to come to a red care. bar meetup. <laughs> yeah, we'll wear we'll wear them together. And <laughs> it seems to be weirdly enough, there's a lot of people 
uh, in collective who have gravitated toward this watch. I mean, for what you, even though it's, even though it's, it can, it's a pricey watch, but um, for what you get for the money in the independent space, it is a, it is, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, watch that doesn't have too many equals that way. And I think it's people realize that when they see it in person, they're like, Oh man, there's something special about that, that, that you just really can't get in very many, in very many other places. No, no. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely an area that, that is, I don't say it takes a lot. It's some of the stuff that's going on in the, in in the the high end independent space is just unbelievable. And you, you look at these things, you're like, this is absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. And you know, that's just from the pictures and I'm sure the pictures don't even do them justice. It's, it's. Well, you'd be surprised what some of these people who post these things on Instagram can do with a camera. Like, like some <laughs> of these pictures are just insane. And, you know, I haven't been hoodwinked yet. I haven't like looked at a picture and been like, that's the watch I want. And then it comes and then it's terrible <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, you know? And fortunately, you know, with a, with a purchase like of this magnitude, I was able to see it in person, try it on, make sure, because that would be a, an epic fail if you didn't, uh, yeah. if you didn't like it, you know? Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Um, but you know, with the rarity of some of these things, it does require a little bit of a leap. So I wouldn't really recommend kind of the higher end independent space for people who don't have a whole lot of either watch knowledge or experience, because you might not know what your taste is yet and what you like. And I wouldn't want people to make a, you know, make an error, error in judgment that yeah. way. Um, you know, not to say that the, you know, one thing I like about the independent, you can get them at lower prices too. So um, I'm currently infatuated with Ming. I think yeah. the Ming watches are just fantastic. And and I think he has, if you've ever listened to the guy speak, he's, he's a genius. I mean, he's just an absolute, Ming Tian's an absolute genius. Well, and uh, there's the story of him and Jack Forster going back and forth on the forums like 20 years ago when, when he was like 15. Like with his, He'd be 15, yeah, right. like his first watch design. Like I, there, there's an episode, I think his episode of Hodinkee Radio is him. Steven and Jack and, and him and Jack get into their time on one of the, I don't remember whatever forum Jack was a moderator on way back in the day. He's like, you know, it was purest pro. Yeah. Yeah. Ming submitted like, he was, I'm th- like, this is how I like, and like people went back and forth with them and, and Jack and Ming went back and forth on the watch that he, like his first watch design when he was in high school, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he really has a, a wonderful design aesthetic. It's a very cohesive aesthetic. I think um, he's very thoughtful uh, and you know, it shows yeah. his watches sell out. They sell out in minutes and they hold their value on the, on the market and uh, they're really hard to get a hold of. So, yeah. um, and they're not, they're not particularly, you know, expensive when you're, when you're talking about the watch space, but, um, but they're wonderful, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, it's it's eluded me to this day, but I'll get one someday. He's he's got one coming out soon, doesn't he? Shh, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like there's there's like seven people that listen to our podcast, and you're one of them. So there's six other people. <laughs> now 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 our chances are reduced by now my chances are reduced by, by six. six. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, Ming, Ming's new thing. 
it, it, no, it's not a wristwatch. Maybe it's a travel clock or something like that. You probably don't want it, so don't uh, even look at it. We had to bring it up, didn't we? I mean, I guess we did. Um, I think I think the day that that dropped, uh, our buddy Zach, uh, I'm, I'm using the term buddy loosely just because he was nice enough to come on our podcast and talk to us, uh, Zach from Warren Wound, on his, on his Instagram post. He's like, in today in watch meeting, it was the video of the guy pouring salt on another guy's tongue <laughs> just like it was the day that it dropped it was like holy cow this got out of hand quickly um but yeah, so yeah it was <laughs> i don't know what to think about it. i i have i have mixed feelings with that obviously i think what you're referring to is the is the hodinky travel clock yeah that, has, that was that was met that was met with uh let's just say like um colorful fanfare yeah, um, that's one way to put it or yeah so I um I have I have two schools of thought on this. One, um, it's not for me, and I think it's I think it's uh, ambitiously priced. Uh, that being said, <laughs> that being said, they they did technically go to Leipi, and that they make incredibly expensive clocks. Oh yeah. Uh, if you if you don't know what they are, look go look at their some of the stuff they make. They do a lot of collaborations with NBNF. Um, so, um, and I. I mean, I have mixed views because everybody can vote with their own dollar and can vote with their own mind. And um, some of the negativity that came about with some of the posts and or some of the comments and everything, I just don't, I guess I don't really see the need for it. You could probably have just let it go, let it be, and uh, forgot about it and move on to something else that brings you some joy and just forget about it. Uh, that's sort of the way I tried to tried to view it although i did think some of the memes with the with their marketing the guy drinking coffee staring longingly <laughs> out the window were were pretty funny because you know you gotta be able to poke fun at yourself too no question uh, and i'm sure they are you know hit, listen hodinky is the the 800 pound gorilla of the watch space um they've they've earned that right to be there and you know with that position comes intense ridicule or intense scrutiny, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that's ridicule, sometimes that's praise. Uh, but I'll bet even the people who are upset about this clock would agree that the watch space in general is uh, is better with Hodinkee than it is without them. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's I, when that's how I, I don't say it's how I got into it, but like when I went down this rabbit hole a few years ago, that's, I, that's how I found them. It was like you start Googling watch reviews and they came up and you're like, Oh, this is really well done. This is all the information I want. Then you, you branch out and you find worn and wound and a couple of other places, you know, who've been doing it um, for quite some time. And it, it, I mean, what they do for this, what they've done for this community is, is a huge service. And it, it, it the, the only thing I'll say is, I mean, if, if they had called it an alarm clock, would everybody be that upset? Is my only thing. Now, granted, at the same point, it was. I know everyone say, "Well, isn't this a travel clock?" They're calling it like I. You'd have a whole different argument, but I mean, yes, people can vote with their own dollar. Yes, they can do what they want, but just don't call it a travel clock. And I think everybody isn't as upset, maybe because we all can't really. Yeah. I also. <laughs> I mean, nobody can travel now. That's, that's a that's a very good point. I will say that I think that I think people's just general like tolerance for bs and anger level and everything everything's at an all-time high like oh, yeah. people are already at their boiling point stressed out to the max because they're 
dealing with being stuck at home, dealing with a change of their life, dealing with what a feel what feels like an assault on your ability to go do the things that you would normally like to do. And um, I don't really know if this was released in another time, if they would have been met with such like vitriol. I don't think so. No, like I feel like it was just a. I feel like it was just unfortunate. Uh, unfortunately, it was just like a, you know a lamb that ran into the lion's den. Oh yeah, yeah. wrong wrong yeah. product, wrong time. I mean, yeah. At the end of so. the at the end of the day, yeah, it, it was a gift to uh, the the small world of uh, internet watch memes. <laughs> great fire. Um, it, that's undeniable. <laughs> the the memo meme was some... off the chart. Right. Some funny stuff. Some funny stuff came out for sure. Uh, and listen, they sold out in under an hour. Yeah, I mean, so if they actually sold them, like, then the, you know, we always forget there are seven billion people in the world. So there's always someone, you know, who might love that. And and here, who am I to judge? Like, like I said, people say, why do you only buy ugly watches now? <laughs> you know, or why do you always buy crazy watches? Like, why don't, why wouldn't you just go buy a uh, Daytona? Or so I was like, well, I have a Daytona. But, <laughs> like, but, but it's it, like you but, said, your most recent edition was the Seiko, like the gray version of what I just bought. Like you, like that was your most recent edition. But what yeah. I mean is, like, it's that that that's true. Like I'm an equal opportunity watch guy. Like I'm, I get just as excited over an independent as I do over you know scoring the G-Shock. That's hard to get that I like. <laughs> You know, so I, I, it's like, it gives me the same dopamine hit in my brain. So I'm, I'm good to go with, with either of those scenarios. But, but the point is, is I really, I'm a firm believer in people should buy what they like. They should collect what they like. And, uh, and we should celebrate people's differences as opposed to like putting people down for their taste, which is a subjective thing oh yeah yeah it, it would be a pretty dull world if uh, everybody uh everybody just had a seiko 5 on their wrist um yeah at the end of the, the day the, the best thing about the market is that uh both parties have to consent to the transaction right if that, i don't that's think exactly it's right. worth six grand i don't give you six grand to receive an objet de art right well and i, I mean the interesting thing and this this is going to go <laughs> on a really interesting tangent here. Um, but one of the things that my wife and I have talked about, and it, oddly enough, it came from, and I know Buzzy, this isn't going to speak to you, Dustin, I don't know. You're from Cincinnati, correct? So I don't know what your NBA allegiances are because uh, there's no team and, here. And National NBA, yeah, NBA basketball? Yeah. Um, it's going to be the Cavs because okay. it's, an Ohio, it's an Ohio team. Okay, which is fine. So I... It, Buzz Buzz knows this. I, I grew up in like northern Indiana, so like I grew up Pacers. No, uh, a little bit more recently, but like I was a Bulls fan. I, I was from North Central Indiana. I was an hour and a half away from Chicago. Grew up a huge Bulls. Like Gary? No, uh, South Bend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Not a half hour. An hour and a half. There's there's a big oh, I have. Okay. hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, not Gary. Yeah. No. Plus, Home plus of Michael Jackson, Gary. but no, not Gary, Indiana. No, we make good. Yeah. Okay. Gary doesn't exist to the rest of Indiana. <laughs> hey, Gary, Gary, Indiana, it has its own song about it in the music, man. So it does. Let's okay. But stuff. so the funny thing about it was like we the thing that we watched recently, and oddly enough, a while ago I saw people on ESPN debating the takes on this because there's literally no other sports on. Was um, the Last Dance, the, the the Bulls documentary of their last season, and. Growing up a Bulls fan in the, like I grew up, 
I was born in 86. So late eighties, early nineties was my childhood. Like the bulls were everything from, from a basketball perspective. And the interesting thing was, is like, you're talking about, like they get into a, like a lot of Jordan's career with the bulls, but they get into, you know, his, his gambling, I don't want to call them issues, but his gambling, we'll just call it that, you know, his father's murder, a lot of this other stuff. And granted, I was too young to really realize what was going on in the news media at the time, but like that was before social media. And the thing that my wife and I kind of went off on our tangent when we were discussing some of these things was there seems to be with a lot of social media, it, if you don't like something or if, if you don't like something or if you can't have something, well, nobody else can have it. And if, if somebody else does, you should be putting them down. There's, I'm going to try to go ruin somebody else's day because I don't like what's going on with me. And that's, I think that's become so much of our culture in the last decade and a half or right. so mm-hmm. that the people who would say, well, that's not for me. I don't really care. Have to go out and and tell everybody why it's not for them and why it shouldn't be for everybody and how that person who did that is such a horrible person for doing it. And like, that's, that's not productive for anything. Like that doesn't help no. us as a society. It's like, cool. I don't like it, but I don't have to go shout from the rooftops and try to take them down and hope they sell zero. Like that, I don't care. They sell. Well, they, I mean, it, yes, it probably wasn't the right time to release a travel clock, given the optics of the thing. Like, given opt, like movies are being pushed. Like nobody can travel. People are worried about their jobs. This, that, and the other, whatever. Right. But we were talking about it before the podcast. There were ninety six of them, with seven billion people in this, like in on the planet. There's there probably 96, 96 people are going to buy that thing as soon as it came out. Like, oh, yeah. that's cool. I like For that. Sure. And I have that much money and that's, and that's fine. Like that's okay. Some of us think it was, it probably wasn't the most sensitive piece to release at the time, but that's your opinion. And they did it and they sold out. And if they did or they didn't sold out, it, it doesn't really matter. Like who cares? It, it's not and, for you. The, you don't have to try to drag anybody because of it. Now, making fun no. of is a different thing. Making fun of that saying, Hey, this is hilarious to me. And if you can get a laugh out of that, maybe that's bringing somebody joy, but like trying to take somebody down for doing something that may or may not have been the most sensitive thing at the time. I, that, why? What is I'll that going to do? One of the funniest, <laughs> one of my, a guy, one of my friends uh, posted onto his Instagram story, just, and this is, I think the way to do it. He just posted, he's, he's obviously big into watches and like in a grouping of things, like just it cut from like a picture of like, like from a watch to like another one to like, then just him like in what he was wearing, staring out his window in his house, like <laughs> drinking coffee in a contemplative way. And then it just moved on to the next picture. And it was like, it was like he created the scene like verbatim and it was so funny, but it was like, you know, it's there for 24 hours. It's just like a really like, and I was like, I was like, you did it right, man. I have to mention, uh, because I heard the bulls, 80 the 90s bulls like if you don't get pumped up hearing their like oh my god uh walk their walkout song <laughs> from like the then you have then you have no soul um and another thing about michael jack michael uh, jordan which you know he's a watch guy oh yeah and i was uh, watching his, that his, for i was trying to figure out what they all had <laughs> so he he is he's well known to be a pretty big uh or work collector yep, nice um, so he's a bigger work collector, and I think he wears a two ten. Is like his kind of his either two. I think it's a two ten. Um, I love our work. I think they're fantastic spaceships for the wrist, and I want one <laughs> yeah. badly, badly. So I mean, it will be mine someday. Well, I, and I'm looking forward to the the, the red bar meetup after that. <laughs> um, 
I, I think I remember it was, you know, because again, there's no sports and there's no nothing going on. I remember ESPN debating it. Hodinkee actually, I think, had a post of one of the, it wasn't his watch that he was wearing in one of the interviews, but one of the ones where he was, I don't know whether it, one of the games he was like out or whatever, it was him on a bench with a mustache and the big, you know, the, the 90s suits that were like massive. You know, that, that yes. was the big thing. The big Armani suits that had the big short, like, just, Armani, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Which on a guy who's what, like Jordan was six, six, like, it, it, I mean, it looked like he didn't need the, the shoulder pads <laughs> by any Absolutely means. Huge. Uh, I mean, he's a basketball player, probably pretty big shoulder. Exactly. Anyway, so. uh, but I think it was him wearing a, I don't know which Langa it was, but it was him on the sidelines with a dress Langa on it. It was just like, yeah, like the guy's been into watches for a very long time. I almost want to go back and maybe that'll be an episode if we can, if I can freeze frame everything and try to do like, I'm like, I love all the high end stuff. But like I am not by like, I'm no Tim Maso when it comes to anything like that. Like you, what you need to do is we need to like have Tim sit down and identify all the watches that are seen on all the players wrists during the interviews. Cause I think that'd just be a right. fast, that'd be a fascinating 30 minute podcast. Don't you think? <laughs> I've, I've gotten pretty good at this, at the sly look down the, you know, down the aisle at someone with a watch on their wrist and been able to being able to identify them at this point. I think that just comes with increasing insanity. <laughs> so you like you can kind of you can kind of tell exactly with one glance what people have on. Well, the, the, um, the funny thing about that is, like, I can remember. I know there's a certain brand that for a long time has been in. Like, it's it's been kind of like a not a collector's brand, but like the people who are into that brand are very into that brand, and it's Panerai and the Paneristi. Yeah. And I was sitting at a work function with a colleague of mine um, next to me and he's got on a Panerai. And I was like, I was like, okay, we got to talk about this because you're clearly watching it. He goes, oddly enough, no, I'm not. He's like, I've got two nice watches. This is one of them. I walked into the store. I like the way it looks. So I bought it. He goes, but I do know because of how many people have talked to me about this watch, that this is a big watch brand for people who like watches. <laughs> That's right. I mean, some people literally don't even know they have no idea, and it's just maybe they like the look of it, and they look great too. Sometimes it's nice. Oh, they, they, I I own a Panerai. I've owned a couple of them, uh, but uh, you know, it's a, in the listen in, the, in like the early to I think mid two thousands, like that was it. Oh yeah, like like Panerai was on fire. Like they were, you couldn't get them. They were selling for over retail. They were just like like it was the it was kind of like the hype that you're seeing with modern day like sport Rolex yeah. was like following Panerai. So just goes to show, um, I think with markets, it's another kind of comment I like to make is you never know where things are going to go. You know what I mean? So that's really why you should buy what you like, because um, if you like, if, if those people who were buying Panerai's because they truly loved them and not just because it was part of the hype train, well, they're still probably happy. If there were people who were buying them because they were looking for an investment, like that is not, that is not good. You know, watches are not investments. Um, I do think with some of these independents though, um, you know, you look vintage Rolex and a lot of vintage watches are, are worth money now because there are not as many surviving examples. So it's, it's a numbers game, you know, it's a, it's just, you know, basic supply and demand. And I think, although I'm not hundred percent sure, but I have, if I had to hypothesize, I would think that some of these, uh, like really well-liked independent watches that are made in extremely uh, rare numbers could theoretically be those watches of tomorrow. Again, because, you know, Rolex is making a million watches a year. 
Kronfeld's making 40 watches a year. They're just, they're just not many of them. Um, and I think actually, if you look at some of the, aside from the weird auction results that just happened, I think that it is starting to gain some traction that way too. Oh yeah. I mean, oddly enough, you're mentioning kind of like the, the future market for some of these things and not even really in like an investment perspective, but you know, we, we, we started this conversation with, you know, watches are designed to last, you know, multiple lifetimes potentially. And they're kind of the intersection of science, technology, engineering, and art, depending on what side and, and not even necessarily what side of the case you're, you're looking at, because the way some of these movements are finished is definitely art as well. The way they're put together is more engineering and science. Um, and oh, it's, right. it's, it's all of those things, but uh, you know, I'm a bit of a car guy as well. And I know, I know you, you, you tend to be a little bit as well. Um, one of the more interesting articles that I've read recently. Hey, hey. What? what am I? Uh, You're a car guy too. I know. I, my bad buzz. I know you are too. Yes. I, I apologize. I've been driving the two seater is my only car for the past. <laughs> this is true. You have, you've, you've had uh buzzy is the person Seven, who, who eight gets, years. Yeah. You get the joke about, uh, I love it. I can remember speaking of cars, my favorite joke, or a comment of the day on Jalopnik, which is a, a really fun car blog. Um, used to be good. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be good. But the, the com- this was, this was from readers. So it was the comment of the day and it was somebody was the, the, what car should I buy? You know, we, we, there are other podcasts that do the, what watch should I buy? You know, type of thing. Um, and the guy said, you know, the guy wanted a, a V8 with four doors and all this because he was a bigger guy and he didn't want, he goes, he goes, well, wait a minute. The guy said eight cylinders, four doors, budget of about 37,000. Clearly, the answer is two Miatas. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> the answer is always a Mazda Miata. Well, exactly. if you add two of them together, that's what he wants. <laughs> anybody, anybody who makes anybody who throws shade at a Miata, oh no, clearly hasn't. No, that, that was their joke. Is like everybody says that, like the Miata, if for 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 you know, if you're looking for a pure driver's car with a manual, like it, it's as good as it can be. But that was the joke is the guy wanted because he's like he was like six five, couldn't fit into many things. He wanted a manual transmission and eight cylinders and four doors. Like, well, if you add two Miatas together, that's what that is. And let's be real, like as much as I like uh, as much as I like would want a Porsche GT three, like on regular roads. Oh yeah. One, 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 uh they're not comfortable. Uh it's a race car. And two you basically are going well over the speed limit if you get it out of second gear, yep. <laughs> like ever. Yeah. So like, so it, they're they're really they're they're designed to be driven on the track or in open open roads. Like it, it'd be really hard to the the whole like, uh, sl- it's more fun to drive a slow, slow car, car fast. fast versus fast yep. car slow. That that is that is real life. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and so um, it's funny that you bring up that manufacturer and a GT three. Because the article that I'm talking about in Road and Track is about the it's it's an older racing car, the Porsche 917, the one the first one that won at Le Mans, all that. And it's a, it's go like if you guys don't read Road and Track and you're sitting cars, like go find this article because it's essentially saying the the author of the article I can't remember which you know writer or editor for Road and Track was there, but was essentially saying you know we we spent a day at Sonoma Raceway with a 917 that we were supposed to be able to drive. But it rained and they were like, eh, do you want to, you could do a parade lap if you want. And the guy's like, I don't even, you know, it's wet. I don't even want to mess with it. Like, let's just like, I, I, I'm smarter to know. I don't want to take a $25 million race car around a wet track slowly because like, even still I could screw this thing up. But he's like, you know, it, it's to the point where 
should these cars be drive? Should vintage racing happen? Should and, and you could look at that and say, in a different way, it's, it's becoming a museum piece, which would be art, but that's not what it was designed for. It was designed to go really, really fast around a racetrack. And it was very, very good at that. And it won a lot. But it, it's the, I think that's an interesting thing where, thank goodness, for the most part, if you're careful with your watches, they don't have to be resigned to a drawer to a museum. They are, they are, very, it could eventually be very rare, very expensive artwork that you wear on your wrist, and you can still use it to do its function because that's how it's designed. It's interesting that cars kind of have that weird should I or shouldn't I drive it? And then it, it, it kind of depends on who owns it at the time, on whether or not they do. Uh, but it kind of ties, I don't want to say it ties the whole kind of conversation together, but it's interesting that you brought cars up. We brought, we're talking about cars, we're talking about that, that article. You know, wristwatches is is mechanical art for your wrist that can last almost you know forever as long as people know how to service them. It, it's it's just an interesting way to tie kind of tie all this up. There's a lot of overlap between cars and watches, and and there's a lot of overlap between the people who like them. Like oh, yeah? so, the, okay. so usually you find a lot of people who like the same sort of things. Um, to your point about uh, wearing these things, like I'll be in the OR sometimes and I, like I have a, I have a Bulgari Octo Finissimo. It's a great watch. And I wear that. I wear, I love that watch and I wear it uh, a lot, but you know, that's an ultra thin watch. It's five millimeters thick, the whole thing. So, um, it's not as much as they, it's touted as a sport watch. It's just by definition, ultra thin watches are not as robust. It's just not as much metal there. It just can't be. So, um, and I'll wear that in the OR and it's generally fine. But if I, you know, if I can anticipate a bad situation, I run up to my office and put on a G-Shock, you know, because, because they're G-Shocks you know, desperate time. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what it's, cause you know, it's the intended purpose of the watch. Um, no, but a lot of these things, you know, that being said, most of these Swiss watches are pretty damn durable. Oh, yeah. and they'll, they'll, they can, they can take a pretty good beating. So it's they're They're a lot of fun. They're they're I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And like I said, it, it, it's a unique intersection and, you know, I'm, it's, it's just fun to talk about. Obviously that's why we have the podcast. <laughs> absolutely. That's right. And, and talk we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Time flew. It did. Sure. Yeah. Buzzy, you got a, you got any, any final questions for Dustin before we uh, let him get back? Nah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll have you on the, another time. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> I don't think that, uh, our uh, our listeners' ears can can withstand much more. I, I've I've got a decent one, but uh, it'll be for a later time. <laughs> sounds sounds good. Write it down. I'm happy to come on and uh, and talk to you guys at any on or offline. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And you know, if anybody wants to chat watches, uh, probably the easiest way from a watch perspective is to is to look me up on Instagram. So. I, my Instagram handle is at normal.sinus.rhythm, uh, which is conveniently, I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist, and that is conveniently the timekeeper of your heart. So that's why I chose that. So, um, And it's pretty much exclusively watches on there. So um, look me up on there, and I'd uh, be happy to talk watches anytime I'm not working for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I, and we definitely want you to not be talking watches while you're working, obviously. No, definitely not. Um, so no, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Dustin. I was about to ask you that, so thank you for making my job even easier. Uh, it's it's been great having you on. I, I you know, it's it's interesting. I, I think anytime we have a guest on, obviously, you know, I think our listeners really like it more. But you know, to talk to talk to some people who have 
you know, the, the other collector conversation we did, I think this is a, this is another fun one to talk about your, you know, your, your experience and your interest in all the independence. It's, it's not something that everybody gets to see every day uh, or let alone understand what's going on in that, in that space, just because they are so rare. And it, it you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your passion uh, for them with us. And uh, it, it's, it's always a good time to, to hang out with you, buddy. It's, it's really good to, to be able to talk watches with you for, for almost an hour and a half. Wow. We, that this, this is, this might be a record. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's like, yeah, we're like a, it's a, a little bit of a marathon. So, um, but that's, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, well, when you get passionate about stuff, you can talk about it for pretty much forever. You really <laughs> so, can. You really uh, can. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, um, yeah, I, and I, I mean that, uh, wholeheartedly that if you ever, if you ever want to talk anymore, I'm happy to come back on your show. Uh, thank you very much for having me and, um, you know, it was a blast. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitswatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z. 